Hey, welcome to another podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I'm telling you, uh, I love Drew Hanlon, and he's our guest today, and Drew is absolutely one of the young phenoms, uh, you know, cut from the Joe Abunasar cloth of just the next guy in line where he has just worked at this, he wanted to be this his entire life, and he is just mastering this industry. <clears throat> I, you know, some of the clients he has, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, Wiggins, uh, Zach Levine, Jordan Clarkson. You know, he had David Lee, who I had in New York. The guy uh, working out Mo Bamba, getting him ready for the draft. So this is a, uh, this is a superstar, rising star uh, trainer. And when you hear the way he approaches training, it's the same way you need to approach coaching. I think you're really going to enjoy Drew Hanlon. Uh, also, I uh, want to remind you, uh, we've just uh, released our Coaching You on Campus uh, program. Uh, this is for mainly college coaches, uh, and it is very, very, it's an, an incredible program where I come to your campus as a college coach. I spend a day or two with you. And this, the content we have is off the charts. So if you are interested in this program, email me at brendansir at gmail.com and, uh, you know, and, you know, or hit me on a DM uh, from, you know, on our at brendansir on Twitter and I'll be happy to uh, respond to you. But uh, really excited about it and the response uh, just in releasing it a week ago has been off the charts. So uh, it's a way for the people that can't come to Vegas that really want some coaching. Uh, it's a way that we can come to them. So I'm really excited about it. And you're going to really be excited about listening to Drew Hanlon. Pass Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, welcome back to uh, Coaching You Podcast with the Coach Brendan Sir. And so excited today because I love talent. I love people that can coach and I love people that know how to develop talent. And I love people that really care about people that they work with. And that's our guest, Drew Hanlon, owner of Pure Sweat. And uh, I, when Drew was playing at Belmont, 
I was coaching against him at UCF and fascinated by his story. And then as he was coming out of school and starting his business, we got a chance to visit for a day up in Gainesville. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Wasn't it amazing, Brew? Welcome to the show, my brother. Thanks for having me on. And, and yeah, it is, it is wild. You know, I tell people all the time that, you know, when I was first starting out, you were one of those guys that, you know, let me, uh, you know, let me spend a lunch with you and pick your brain and kind of uh, start to understand the NBA game since it's so such a different game. And uh, I've, I've appreciated our friendship ever since then. Well, I'm, uh, again, I'm very, very proud of you. And the way you've grown your business is absolutely incredible. And it's something that I think uh, anyone that is starting a business or trying to get into a field, you know, you, we both have people to say, hey, how do I do this? How do I get into it? And I know you're a big believer in this. One of the key things is relationships, isn't it? It is 100%. And I think the, the key thing that you said is relationships. I think that too many people try to network their way to the top when the truth is, uh, you know, people see through that. And I think that when, uh, you know, when two people actually go into a relationship with the, um, you know, with kind of the a goal of helping the others and really, you know, selflessly kind of just assisting others, it ends up working out. And I think both, both you and I kind of uh, became close because of that. You know, every time, you know, you reach out, you're trying to assist me. And every time I reach out, I'm trying to assist you. And I think that we, you know, at the, at the, at the root of our relationship, it's just, uh, uh, you know, we both, we both honestly care about players and coaches and each other. And, and that's why it works well. Let me ask you, you know, um, again, one of my favorite players, one of my best draft choices in the NBA of all time in my, uh, 30 years, uh, of coaching and running teams was my 30th pick in the first round, David Lee. And, uh, you know, and I know you're very close and he was really one of your first clients. Talk about David. Uh, I know to me, he's so special to me and, you know, but I, I can imagine, you know, being from the St. Louis area where he's from, talk about that, you know, and he, as, and he's an older guy, he's older than you. So, I mean, to get an older person to, you know, trust you and do it. How did that all work? Yeah, it was crazy. You know, David was my first full-time NBA client. And uh, the reason that developed was I was working out Bradley Beal when he was in high school. Brad and David went to the same um, high school, Chaminade College Prep. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brad was obviously developing at a fast rate and and word around town was kind of spreading that, you know, I was was kind of, um, you know, helping assist Brad with that kind of transition from you know, a guy that was, you know, a six foot point guard to a guy that started, you know, hitting a growth spurt and started being, you know, being recruited by high level colleges. And so, um, you know, I, I, I knew David, I was, uh, when I remember when David won the high school slam dunk championship, <laughs> I remember going out in my driveway, throwing the ball up and taking off my shirt and dunking it kind of simulating what he did to, to beat James white in the dunk contest. But, um, you know, fast forward a few years, he gave me a chance to work him out and, um, it was a great opportunity for me to, um, you know, get involved with a high level player. It really challenged me because, you know, I was a guard and he was a big guy and, um, and, you know, I really had to study the post game 
Um, I spent two and a half months kind of preparing to train David. I trained myself as a left-handed post player just so I could try to try to feel what he was going to feel. Um, I used to bang as a low post player against other players that were my height. So I could feel kind of what the nudges needed to feel like I needed to, you know, see where the ball protection was. And so he really was a big reason why, um, I developed as kind of a post coach. And, um, the other thing that was crazy about it was, um, I was, you know, I was at Belmont. I was actually a sophomore at Belmont when I started working out Dave. So here I am. Averaging five points a game for the Belmont Bruins, a mid-major team. And I'm training David Lee, who's an NBA All-Star. And I remember all his teammates, you know, would always be like, what are you doing trusting a college kid that, you know, is, isn't even averaging double points, you know, double-figure points at the time. Um, and and the, the truth was, Dave made a great comment that I'll never forget. And he said, hey, listen, he said, Kobe Bryant would, would dominate Phil Jackson in a one-on-one game. Michael Jordan would dominate you know, Phil Jackson, a one-on-one game, but they can still learn from Phil Jackson because he's a good basketball mind. He said, you know, Hmm. he said, yeah, of course I could dominate Drew in a one-on-one game. He said, but he can help, you know, me analyze the game from a different perspective. He gives me, uh, you you know, he he holds me accountable and he he teaches me a lot and I can learn from him. It doesn't matter who you're learning from as long as you're learning and you're progressing. And um, he thought that I put together a good, you know, plan that customizes game for him. And, um, you know, we got in the gym and spent a lot of time working and, um, you know, I learned a lot from him. Um, I think that he learned a lot from me and he got to, you know, win a championship, be a part of multiple stars and, mm-hmm. um, you know, have had a great career. So, um, no, we both learned from each other. We both benefited a lot from our relationship and, and he's still a friend to this day, even though he's not uh, a client anymore. Um, and he's retired. Now, uh, we're going to skip around if it's okay with you, but Bradley Beal, who, you know, again, we you know, I'm, you know, who I knew, but, uh, you know, met with you that day up at, um, I guess it was little Gainesville high school, right? Where you were working them out, uh, yep. cause you couldn't work out on the Florida campus. They wouldn't let you work out there, the great NCA rules. And, uh, but now you're, you're working out there. I'm in the gym and the thing I, I I've been blown away with is, uh, I, I just cannot believe how much he keeps getting better every single year. And his, you know, before when he came in the league, couldn't bounce the ball, you know, but once or twice. Now the guy can play pick and roll. Now the guy virtually almost played lead guard at times this year when John Wall was out. Uh, The improvement in that guy is a real testament to him, of course, but to the things you're working with him in the offseason and in season probably. Uh, how How do you do that to really, to take a player from that has some, you know, maybe the top three shooters in basketball uh, but now to make his game more complete. You know, I think that starts with uh, getting the player to buy in and, and to trust the plan that you have. And, and Brad and I have been working together since he was 13 years old. And so, um, you know, he was a, he had great form. His mom kind of was the original, you know, kind of uh, creator of his form. And, <laughs> and we've, we've tweaked it every single year to kind of bring his elbow a little more under the ball to, uh, you know, help, help him kind of eliminate his or quicken his dip a little bit. So he get a shot off faster, all those things. But the truth is when I get a guy, regardless who it is, we kind of put together a three to five year plan and we don't try to get better at everything right away. And we try to just add one 
to two to maybe three things over a summer. And so with Brad, we wanted him to get really good at kind of moving without the ball and being able to create kind of as an off guard because we knew he was playing with John once he got drafted. And so that's what we focused on is just making, you know, we worked on improving his balance. We worked on, you know, raising his, uh, you know, shot arc a little bit so that he had a better uh, drop angle. So there was more room for error. We worked on those things, um, you know, in year one of his NBA career. And then, you know, years two and three, we kind of worked on, you know, being able to play within a system. So, you know, pick and roll stuff and and using pin downs and uh, scoring in transition. And when we looked at, you know, what was the next step? The biggest step was, all right, you've got to start being able to create for yourself and others. And so the first thing we did was we knew that, you know, teams were trying to run him off the three-point line. And so what, what ended up happening is he ended up settling for a lot of long twos because he didn't finish well at the rim mm-hmm. and he didn't feel tight enough with his handle. And so we knew those were the two things that we had to address to, to make him an all-star. And we felt like even though he didn't get the all-star nod last year, we felt like he played at an all-star level. And, um, you know, the last two seasons we really worked on his finishing at the rim and we worked on his, his ability to create for himself and others so that he could become one of the most versatile scorers along the perimeter and so that he could become more efficient by shooting more threes off the dribble and getting to the rim more and getting to the free throw line more and eliminating his long twos. And so, um, you know, obviously all the credit always goes to players because, you know, they're the ones putting in the work and, um, you know, but, you know, Brad and I work so well together because that's exactly it. We work together. We created a plan together. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't his plan. We kind of really sat down and we watched all of his clips. We looked at his analytics. We watched the other top guards in the NBA and said, what do we have to do to take the next step? And uh, that's what it was. It was it was making him more shifty, giving him, you know, tighter handles and improving his ability to, uh, you know, create for himself and others. And, and he obviously got the results he wanted and, and had a great season this year. Now, would a player like that that you're working with, what, you know, you're referring to, uh, and I'm referring to as full-time, uh, what does that entail? I'm obsessive. You know that. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, good. I'm one of those guys that is <laughs> a film geek and analytic geek. Um, so when I have a full-time guy, it means they are living in the gym with me over the summer. Um, you know, usually I see them three weeks a month, you know, normally they'll have one week, whether it's off of vacation or, uh, you know, appearance for with one of their brands that they have a deal with. Um, and then, you know, that's where we, we put in the majority, that's where we add to their game. And then during the season, I provide film breakdowns for them, uh, pre and post game, um, have analytics ready for them whenever they want. And then anytime, um, something's broke. I always say that I'm like a basketball surgeon and I have to fly to them and fix it. And so, um, you know, if, if their shots off, you know, I'll fly to whatever city they're in and, uh, we'll, you know, analyze the film and then we'll hit the court and make tweaks and adjustments until we fix the problem that they have. Um, but that's all I am. I just try to provide as many solutions, um, as I can for all the problems that they're going to, you know, face. And, and, you know, that's as coaches and you know, this, you've been in the coaching game a lot longer than I am. As coaches, all our all our job is is to prepare players for every possible scenario. Right. But even when you prepare players for ten possible scenarios, you know at some point the eleventh or twelfth scenario that you didn't cover is going to happen. And so that's what in season's about. In season's about making little adjustments, making sure that you're staying disciplined to the things that you worked on throughout the off season, and then also just making sure that you're stepped ahead by. Um, you know, especially like in the playoffs, when you have a a series, you're constantly playing, you know, chess 
where you're, you're adjusting to what the other team is, you know, making adjustments for you. And so that's what I do. I'm just a strategic, basically personal coach where I can give them a private eye all based on them because their team is focused on improving, you know, the overall team success where my job is to focus on the individual players kind of uh, skills that help them be more valuable for their team. Drew, did the, did the teams, uh, you know, when you're working with elite players, I think I'm, I'm, I'm I know the answer, but I'm ask, asking it for the listeners. Did the teams push back with you working with their players as opposed to their coaches? No, you know, the, the crazy thing is it's a different ball game than it was sure. when I started even. When I started, um, you know, I always looked at as, as an outsider. You mm-hmm. know, and when I would be in the gym, there would be a lot of people turning their heads and kind of, you know, talking behind my back as, who is this guy in the gym? You know, what what is it, what is he saying to our player, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Now the new NBA coach is more open, and they try to have transparency so that we're all on the same page and all feeding you know the same messages. Now there's still some teams and old school coaches that uh, you know ask you know well, why are they not working with our coaches because you know we hired them to do sure. you know why are you doing somebody else's job? But um, <laughs> the way to look at it, to be honest with you, is there's a ton of people that are going to help each one of these players succeed. And so as long as we're all working together, as long as we're all feeding them positive messages, and as long as my goal is to help them become the the most valuable they can be for their team, then it works. When you have trainers going in and saying, you know, Hey, listen, you know, forget the coach or forget the management or forget the organization or, or telling them, Hey man, you need to shoot more shots or you, sure. any, any kind of message that hurts the team. That's when there becomes problems. But, um, you know, through kind of my transparency, through some of the relationships that I've built, uh, now I've got the trust from most of the organizations and, and they not only allow me to come in, but they actually encourage me to come in because they know that I've built, you know, trust with these players and can, and can help them, uh, become better and, and better players on the court. I know a real central part of coaching uh, uh, at a high level is you have to be a truth teller. You have to tell these guys the truth. And some guys can handle it. Some guys can't, right? (laughs) And, you know, but you can do that when you have that word trust, right? 100%. Yeah, and that's the key. I think it's I think it's the most important thing, and I think that uh, you know not every player is for every trainer, not every player is for every coach. I think that you know you have to have um, you know you have to be able to be transparent. You have to be able to be truthful, and um, you know ultimately, if players are if the players love the game, which is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and if they crave improvement then ultimately they are going to crave instruction. They're going to crave feedback. They're going to crave kind of, you know, that, that intense detailed eye that is critiquing them on everything they can do. And, and as a coach and a trainer, you just have to make it very egoless where you understand, Hey, listen, the player is really good, especially when you get to the NBA, there's a reason they're in the NBA. They're one of the you know best players in the world. So you have to also respect that and understand that you're a small piece of the you know small piece of the puzzle, small a small part of the process. And as long as it's all about the player and all about the player getting success, and as long as everyone's pushing that same message, I think that's when it just works great. It's when the player you know um, doesn't want to work, or the player doesn't love the game, or the coach wants credit, or the pl- a trainer wants credit. That's when stuff starts going south. So. You know, the biggest thing that I always say is, you know, relationships are really when two people are both, you know, kind of uh, trying to help each other. And, and in the end, they both win, you know, and and I think that that's what happens is when when a player, you know, trusts you with their game. That's the second 
I always say that's like the second most valuable thing in their life. Obviously, they've got, you know, what I always say, the three F's, you got faith, family and friends. But then basketball is the next thing in their life. You know what I mean? After the three main F's, uh, you got basketball. And so if they trust you with their game, they trust you with, you know, their livelihood. And um, and that's important. So you can't you can't take it for granted. You have to put in as much, if not more work into their game. And ultimately, if they know that you're out there doing everything you can in, in your power to improve them, uh, they're going to rock with you for a long time. Um, when, you know, we talked about Bradley Beal, who's one of the best shooters in the league and maybe of all time. But what about the guy that has a bad shot and a broken shot, as we like to call it? Uh, at, you know, when do you do that? How do you do it? And, and believe it or not, some of these players that have really broken shots, they don't think it's broken. Even when they watch it on film, even though they get fouled in the last uh, fourth quarter every time they touch the ball, they still don't think their shot's broken, even though they're shooting fifty six percent. But you know, I mean, but how do you how do you go about that? You know, there's there's a lot of uh, good examples of of guys that I've worked with their shots. I think the biggest thing is it starts with them being open uh, to changing it. If they're not open to changing it, you're really you're mm-hmm. fighting an uphill battle. And sure. so the first thing you have to do is you have to you know, you have to find guys that want to get better and that ultimately um, are able to handle the truth. Second thing you do is you have to go in and um, you have to look at the things. What do they do well on their shot? So even if it is broke, they might have really good release point. And so you say, all right, you know what, let's start there and let's reverse engineer what's wrong and change it instead of trying to completely scrap it. I think where shooting coaches or coaches in general go wrong is they try to make everyone shoot you know, with exact same, you know, elbow under the ball, you know, right, per- perfectly straight, you know, everything in a line. And, and while that's great and all, a lot of people aren't comfortable enough, you know, shooting like that. So I've always said, you know, you need to give players a comfortable, you know, shot where it feels comfortable. They have to be confident in it and then they have to get consistent with it. The three C's comfortable, confident, and consistent. And, um, you know, it's crazy. Guys like, you know, one of my big, biggest shooting success stories was Jason Tatum this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason shot 34% at Duke last year. A lot of people questioned if he was going to be able to shoot from the NBA three-point line going into the draft. And um, we tweaked his shot a ton. We lowered his shot pocket. We widened his base. We moved his elbow out. But we did everything one at a time. And I think that's the most important thing when you're when you're doing shooting stuff is you can't try to change everything. It's a slow progress. You know, you're going to have to, you know, change one thing at a time until ultimately you get to a point where they're comfortable with it, they're confident with it, and they can consistently repeat the same shot. And with Jason, it's interesting because, you know, we, I basically said, Jason, hey, listen, these are the, the things we're going to change before the draft and before your rookie season. And then next summer, we're going to work on basically, he uses his off arm a lot. He uses his off hand uh, to kind of impart a little bit of side spin on the ball. Well, Jason shot 44%, you know, 43.5% from three this year. And now it's going, well, it worked. You know, how much do you tweak it there? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's the hardest thing is understanding when you have a good shooter, you know, how long do you mess around with it to make them a great shooter? And um, I think that everyone constantly can get better. But I think the important thing is making sure you, you try things. It's a trial and error process where you try things. And if they're working, you keep rocking with them. If they're not... You have to quickly pivot and go in a different direction. And, um, you know, I was changing one of my draft guys shots this year and uh, I told him, I said, I was very honest with him up front. I said, Hey, 
teaching shooting is a trial and error process. I said, I'm going to try 1,000 things with your shot. 990 of them are not going to work. Mm. But the 10 that do work, those 10 are going to change your shot and change your career because the new MBA is all about spacing and all about analytics, and you have to be able to shoot. Yep. And this prospect was a big guy, and so I said, if you can be a stretch five and a rim protector and all this kind of stuff, I said, you're going to be super valuable. I said, believe it or not, our shot change, if we do it right, could earn you an extra $100 million in your career. And he started smiling. I said, now that I've got the buy-in, <laughs> let's get to work. <laughs> That's it's, great. It's a, it's a trial and error process. There's some consistency. You need a balance base. You know, I've done tons of studies on balance. You need a balance base. And, and if for coaches listening, balance base means like wherever they would, however wide they would have their feet, if you said, hey, do a max jump, that's how wide they need to have them because that's where they feel the most power. They need to be able to get their hand under the ball at the point of release in the middle of the ball because ultimately your hand controls the direction of the shot and we need a straight shot. And then they need to have a, a, a pocket that's in front of their face and below their head. A lot, of, a lot of guys that have stopping points above their head, I went and researched um, of all the NBA shooters that have shot 40% from NBA three for their career. None of them have had a release pocket, you know, a stopping point over their head. People always are like, well, look at Larry Bird or, or Reggie Miller. They were great shooters, but both of those guys actually shot under 40% from three. So another consistent is they have to, and again, different era where they didn't practice threes as much. I'm sure both of those guys could have shot 40 if they valued the three as much as they did now, but they have to be able to shoot the ball and like a smooth release without having any hitches in it because that just it's so hard to shoot the deep NBA three with any hitches in it. And so I look at those consistents, uh, you know, if you have your hand spread in the middle of the ball, if you can uh, have a smooth shot, that's straight. And if you have good balance and I say, you know what, if we got those things, that's a great starting point. Everything else we can work out from there. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to Dr. Dish basketball.com or follow them on twitter at dr dish b ball i love the player that you have another st louis kid you know we just talked about him in tatum uh, and the thing i love about him you know obvious it's obvious now uh that he should have been the first pick in the draft you know that was very obvious <laughs> and the thing about him that i love is when he gets the ball, he's so efficient offensively. He's one of the few players in the league, one of, of any age, that can face up and take his man, you know, just face him up and drive by him. I mean, uh, and that is a that's a, that's something that's totally by any front court player. I mean, guards can you know, but a front court player to be able to do that, and he's embarrassing guys, you know, because of his footwork. 
how much time, uh, how has that process all developed? You know, the idea. I've got, yeah. yeah, I've got a really cool story about Jason. So when I started working out Jason, he was actually 13 years old as well. We followed the Brad Beal program. Um, Brad and Jason, you know, were Brad was basically Jason's big brother. And so, um, you know, he said, hey, Drew, listen, I think Jason's ready to work out with you. I think he's going to be good. You know, he's 13 years old. And, um, you know, the first couple of workouts, I just tried to punk Jason. I just wanted to see what he had inside. You know, did, did he love basketball? Because I'd never work with a guy that doesn't love basketball. If he, if he doesn't love basketball, you can kind of force him to work. He might get results for a little bit, but eventually he's going to stop loving the game and stop working. I found that out the hard way with some players and had to let him go. Really good players, but they have to love basketball. The second thing is they have to love to work. And I did both of those. And Jason, you know, had a cool quote that he said to his mom after our first workout. He said, Mom, I thought I was going to die, but I figured I'd rather let you guys carry me off the court than me give up. <laughs> That's a 13-year-old that said that. I said, That's man, he's got, he's got the special sauce. And the second thing is, once I knew that he loved the game and wanted to work, I knew he loved Kobe Bryant. And again, you always try to get the buy-in by, you know, getting those guys excited. But instead of giving him all the Kobe, you know, cool drills that every he's seen, we spent our first week, our first whole week, working on the jab step. Right. We watched tons of film. We watched all this. And for one week straight, including three days where we did not shoot one shot, <laughs> he bought in as a 13-year-old because I said, hey, listen, Jason – one of the things I've learned, and I didn't know this when I started working out Brad Beal. When I started working out Brad Beal, he was like my guinea pig where I was just trying anything and, and had a ton of moves that some of them were great, some of them weren't. I wasn't efficient. But with Jason, I really had you know kind of scripted everything out and I said, we're going to add one thing and we're going to master it and we're not going to move on until we master it. And I said, the first thing we're going to do is, is work on the jab. And then after that, we kind of each – we added one thing at a time to his game. And so slowly, as a 13-year-old, he was preparing for the draft as a 13-year-old, you know, and then 14-year-old, he would add like a fadeaway. 15-year-old, he'd add a little bit more mid-post. 16-year-old, he'd start adding face-up moves, you know, where off the bounce. And then finally, we added his jump shot and made him super versatile at the end. But the, the best thing about Jason Tatum is that he bought into the plan when he was a 13-year-old. I mean, think about a 13-year-old for, for three, three days not shooting a ball during workouts. I mean, that's special right there. And the second thing is, as he was ranked the number one player in the country in high school for a long time, um, and he ended up finishing three. I, I, I give Evan Daniels and, and uh, Paul Biancardi trouble all the time because I, I told both of them that Jason was the best player. But um, that's another story. But I, I, Jason was number one in the country, and he was still waking up every morning before school and going at 6 a.m. with me. Wow. And, and, and it's, it's crazy. You know, he's over here averaging 30-point triple-doubles. He was Gatorade National Player of the Year, three-time Missouri Gatorade Player of the Year, won a state championship, won you know two uh, USA basketball titles with Don Showalter's teams, and he's still in the gym every single morning at 6 a.m. And then he'd go practice after school, and then he'd get back in the gym after practice. And that's why he's special is because he put in the countless hours and he worked with purpose. He didn't just go out there and just work on a bunch of cool stuff that might look flashy. Everything he did was – how can I add one new layer to my game at a time? I've never seen uh, in all my years in the league a young guy, really young guy like him, uh, a teenager, <laughs> uh, that is so poised and so cool, under pressure, and uh, and and I just I, I just love the guy. I've never met him. I just love the way he plays. Love the way he handles himself. Uh, plays with 
you know, he's tough. You know, he's he's a guy that's so smooth. You say he doesn't have toughness, but he's getting his ass whooped physically, and he just bounces back up. You know, and I, I love that about the guy. He is so special. You know, and that's such a neat thing to see. Yeah, and it's and you know what? He it's funny. He got drafted with the perfect coach. I mean, I've known Brad yep. Stevens yep. for a long time, and 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 obviously, right now, Brad Stevens is is a hot topic around you know the kind mm-hmm. of media world because he's having a lot of success, but. Brad's been this good even when he was at Butler, you know, and um, he's been good for a really long time. And, um, you know, there's so many things that I wish I could say that I can't say because of, you know, just keeping um, our relationship private. But uh, Brad has done an amazing job with Jason. And, you know, to convince a guy like Jason who had to watch Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell get all the PR and press to convince a guy like Jason to buy into playing within a system taking good shots, um, you know, buying into defense and offense, and then say, hey, Jason, listen, don't worry. You're going to have your time to shine as well. I mean, he just brought him up the ranks perfectly. And and I think that Brad sometimes doesn't get enough credit for his actual development with players as far as how he kind of almost holds them back until they're ready. And then he gives them just a little bit more here and there. And then eventually when he needs them most, boom, he gets the most out of his guys. Yeah, Brad is uh... – He's amazing, and he's so he's so mature beyond his years. And you know, he used to um, when we started coaching you. You know, he would come, and then we had him as a speaker often. And uh, I can remember that you know he would always ask Kevin Eastman and I questions, and he'd say, you know, about the game, the pro game, and stuff. He always was really. Then we brought him down to Florida with Billy, uh, who also was very curious about the game, and we'd you know, spend a couple of days down there in the off season. And he was preparing himself to coach at that next level. And no one knew it. No one knew it. Us included. We just knew he was curious. We didn't know that that's what he always wanted. Isn't that amazing? No, it's so cool. Him, I mean, him, obviously, you know, uh, with him and Fred, uh, you know, and then obviously Billy, all three of those guys are good friends of ours. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how they've made the transition to the NBA. And, and really, it's because they were smart. They, they knew the NBA is the, is the greatest game on earth. It's the best basketball minds. And what they did was they were so successful in college because they stole all the NBA stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and now they've been able to uh, not only do that, but steal, you know, NBA stuff and international stuff. I think that's what makes all of those guys special is they understand spacing. They understand mismatches. They understand, you know, how to get, how to get players moving the ball. And it, I love seeing those guys. It's, it's funny. Cause when we first started, you know, talking years ago, um, you know, we, all of us were in different positions and different roles. And now all those guys are at the highest level. It's, it's really cool to kind of see the evolution of, of, of people and how they, uh, they grow and, and change over time. And I think another characteristic of all three is they have great temperament. Yep. And they understand that the players are the stars, not them. And most most college coaches, they they're the stars, and these guys are very no one's egoless, but they are as close to it as possible. And you have to be that way in the pros, I think. Uh, they, they're amazing. Talk about this amazing, interesting phenom of a person, Joel Embiid, who you work with. Yeah, I mean, Joel's special. He was one of those guys the first time. I mean, the the reason we started working together, which was pretty cool, um, we're at Summer League. This is before he ever played. This right. is when he was hurt. And, and uh, I was sitting 
I was sitting courtside watching um, Andrew Wiggins play, uh-huh. and obviously they were teammates. And and you know, Joel came up and said, you know, I know you work with Andrew. Uh, you know, I'd love to work with you. He said, What are you doing? Uh, when in Vegas? I said, Well, I'm leaving tomorrow. He said, Where are you going? I said, L.A. He said, Perfect. I'll see you in L.A. tomorrow. That just tells you how how, how kind of crazy he is as far as working. But the first time I had him on court. Um, I mean, I was like, wow, you know, Bill Self had bragged about him to me. He said, Drew, you got to get with Joel. He said, he, he is special. And, uh, and, and he was right. You know, Joel was one of those guys that when I would teach him a move, um, he would say, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And he would just walk around in circles around me. And after me seeing me do it 10 times, he would just do it full speed. And, and, and everybody would be, everybody in the gym was like, oh my gosh, and then he'd look at me and say, what can I do better? And you're just like, man, that, that was so impressive for the first rep. Like, I'm just still trying to get over that, you know. And um, the cool thing is for him, you know, he – I remember I was riding with him to his first ever NBA game last season. And he was on a 20-minute restriction. Right. And he said, hey, Drew, I'm going to average 20 points a game. I said, Joel. I said, P- players don't average a point a minute. You know, I said, let's set, let's set some realistic goals. He said, no, I'm going to average 20 points a game this year. And uh, the first night – he scored 20 points. Exactly. And after the game, he said, man, I should have had 30. This is easy. <laughs> and he was a rookie. Now I know like a, a red shirt rookie, you know, an asterisk yeah. rookie, but, um, you know, he's really special. This last summer, we only got to spend a couple weeks together, um, because of his injury. And, uh, you know, this season we've got to spend a good amount of time together. He's still got multiple levels to go. Um, he's going to be an all timer, um, you know, as long as he stays healthy, which he's obviously putting in a ton of work on his body to make sure he's staying healthy. But um, the thing about Joel is he is he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Really? And he's also one of the best, best people that I've ever met. And that combination just really works because, you know, he loves to put in work. He's always constantly, you know, uh, challenging me with the history of big men. You know, mm-hmm. I might show him a move and he'll say, oh, yeah, I remember when, you know, Akeem used that in game two. And, and you're going what? Like, like how, how did you know that? Like, I know, I, I know that I'm a film geeky, but how did you know that? And he's like, trust me, I, I watch everything. Wow. And, um, he's special, man. He's special. He's going to be a guy that, um, I think will win championships. I think that in the next couple of years, he'll compete for NBA, uh, NBA, um, MVPs. And, and I think that, I think he's a really, uh, he's a two-way star. That's a leader. And very rarely do you get big guys that are that vocal and can kind of rally the troops. And he has that ability to kind of get everyone to rally behind him. And, um, and he's special on both ends, which is, which is great. And which he's is just neat. scratching the surface. Hey, Hey, let's talk about, as I'm talking to you now, you're in Los Angeles and you're getting, uh, several players ready for the draft this June. Um, what do you try to accomplish with these young men? I know next, as we're talking about this, the NBA Combine is next week in Chicago. So, um, you know, what what are you trying to to get across to these young people to prepare them for the draft? Yeah, so I, I approach the draft a lot different than most. Um, I've been very fortunate that most of the guys that I work with are usually lottery picks, which means it's a very different process than mm-hmm. the guys that aren't. If you're a lottery pick, normally, uh, for, for the listeners that don't know, most of the lottery picks, they only they don't have to compete. They're basically doing one-on-zero workouts right. um, where they're just kind of showcasing their skills to teams and working out for teams and doing interviews, whereas guys outside of the lottery – 
they have a grueling schedule where they might go, you know, do 15 workouts in 15 different cities in, in a 30 day period. And they right. have to compete three on three full court doing sprints and runs. Um, but for the guys that are lottery guys, the only thing I really focus on is making them, making them better basketball players. I'm completely different. You know, a lot of trainers focus on just get them in really good shape, get them making shots and hopefully they show well at the combine. Hopefully they show well for teams and, and getting competing hard. Those are kind of the three pillars. Get them in great shape, get them knocking down shots and, and make sure they're competing. For me, I just try to prepare them for the NBA. And I think that ultimately helps them, you know, for multiple reasons, because in the process of really preparing them for the NBA, I'm getting them in amazing shape. In the process of preparing them for the NBA, I'm getting them great at the role that I think that they're going to provide value in their first couple of years. And then also, we're just making them better basketball players. We're teaching them basketball. And I think that that process is, has helped a lot of the guys kind of succeed when they're in the NBA because I'm after helping my guys have long careers instead of just getting drafted high. And so, of course, there's some times where, you know, maybe there's a guy that, you know, we, we're trying to move him up the draft. And so we have to work on certain things just because they show well. But uh, really, my goal is just how can we make sure that they add value in the first couple of years? And how can we make them really valuable by the time their second contract is being negotiated? And so, you know, there's guys like Jordan Clarkson that I've had that he went 40, I think, 44th or yep. 43rd in the draft. Right. And he was a first team all rookie. And there's guys like Langston Galloway undrafted first team all rookie you know zach levine was a 13th pick and boom you know look at him now and so my my thing is how can i get guys better and i think at the end of the day that's all player development should be about and i think that when i first started out doing player development years ago my goal was to kind of like show players what i knew and also to impress them also to make sure they had fun so they came back and then also kind of worked them to the point of exhaustion where they were just dead. And now the only thing I care about is ultimately them succeeding. And so, um, you know, on my Instagram, I started a, a thing a while back that was game skills, game results. And I would show uh, games, like I would show a game footage of them doing a move. And then I would show the exact same spot on the court, them practicing the exact same move. And I layered them up back to back and showed players or showed coaches Hey, listen, you don't need to buy into all the fancy stuff. You don't need to buy into all the props. You need a basketball, you need a rim, and you need to teach. And I think that word teach is the most important thing in player development. If you can ultimately help a player grow and you can teach them the game, uh, they're, they're going to constantly evolve as a player and they're going to have success. Wow. That's powerful. I'm signing up. Uh, let me ask you this. How, how do you decide uh, which guys you're going to work with? For me now, that's that's kind of the biggest win for me is is being able to kind of see how I can help a guy and see you know um, you know if we work well together. So the first thing that I do is I kind of um, I don't watch much college basketball. Um, I just when you watch as much NBA as I do, I break down every single NBA game regardless if my clients there or not. So I've watched the last eight seasons. I've watched every single NBA game and broke every single NBA game down. That tells you how big of a film geek I am. So I can't watch a college game because it's just not very good basketball. Atmosphere, amazing. I love going to college games, but right. the basketball, the quality is just so low. So what I do is I, I try to talk to the scouts and try to talk to the uh, the people that I trust that really know who I am as a person and say, hey, what guys do you think are good fits for me? And may, most of the time, that's kind of guys that are more raw, they're athletic, 
they they like basketball, but they really haven't been taught the things they need to, or the guys that really haven't been told the truth. I'm really, I think one of my biggest strengths is I'm really good with guys that need to hear the truth because as you know, I have a no fluff, no BS, no, I'm just, I'm very serious. I'm obsessive and I make guys work. I make guys work on the right things that they need to work on and I don't back down. And so those are the guys, the guys that I think I can help improve their work habits, the guys that have raw potential that I can really teach them and kind of mold them. Those are my favorite guys. And you know, around the NBA, everyone laughs. They're like, Drew, you have a type. You love long, tall, athletic guys that are raw. And that is kind of true. I mean, everybody loves those mm-hmm. because, you know, they're, they're guys that can develop. But um, I like to challenge myself too. I don't necessarily like to just take the guys, you know, like in the, one of the things I think is messed up about the training industry is first off, a, a lot of, there's so many lies that go around, you know, you see a guy, a player comes in the gym and maybe scrimmages at your gym and then you post a picture and everyone thinks you work them out. Or, you know, if I took LeBron James on as a client tomorrow, in the training world, everyone would say, wow, Drew has LeBron James. He's the best trainer because he has LeBron. Right. When the truth is LeBron developed LeBron. I just now added him and, and whatever. So sure. I look at how can I add value to somebody's game? And I, I really look at those players and say, you know, is this a good fit? You know, does a guy need to work on the things that I think I, I do very well? And, you know, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I think I think I'm, I can really help a guy with his footwork. I really can help a guy with his shooting. I really can help a guy kind of strategically advance his offensive game. And the thing that I've been studying that I haven't been great at in the last couple of years is defense. I haven't spent enough time on, you know, developing guys defense. So, so that's something that this last year's draft class was the first draft class that I ever had that we worked on defense. And, uh, you, it took me three years studying defense just to kind of figure out how to exactly to, to go about it, you know? And, and, um, I think that that's what you have to do is you have to really say, does this player need what I have to offer? And then also how are they as a person? How are you as a trainer? Do your do your guys kind of, you know, can you speak their language? Cause mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. And then on top of that, it's, do you guys, um, do you guys kind of share the same growth plan? Um, because if there's a guy that says, Hey, I want to be an NBA all-star and I don't believe he can be an all-star. Eventually there's going to be a letdown. We have to both believe that they can get to the same place. And, uh, you know, the, the way I'll put it this way is the simplest way. I look at training as trainers and coaches. We're like the GPS. We're like a GPS system Coach, You know, players have to tell us where they want to get to. And it's our job to, to efficiently put together a strategic route to get them there and if they get off course, our job is to get them back on course so that we can eventually get them to where they want to go, the end destination. And I think that um, I just try to help players that you know share the same end route for their careers as I do. And if they match up and we have the same plan, then ultimately I can be that GPS that makes sure they stay on track and eventually get there. Wow. Hey, Drew, where do you want to be in the next couple of years? What's, what, what, where are you in pure sweat? What do you, I mean, the growth has been incredible. What do, you, what do you want to do? What's the dream? Yeah, so right now I'm living, I'm living my dream. My right. dream, I've combined two things that I love. I love basketball and I love helping people. And so training allows me to do both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my next step is kind of doing what you're doing. You know, I have a bunch of skills trainers under me. It's so cool. You know, I have, I have you know, two, you know, before we jumped onto this, we were talking. I have two skills trainers that are 
working out a ton of NBA players and pre-draft guys now. And, you know, I've been able to kind of mentor them, but I've got, I've got over 50 coaches, uh, skills coaches now all across the country and, and starting to expand. We have a couple guys over in Europe and uh, Puerto Rico and Canada. Uh, we're just trying to find a bunch of hungry uh, skills coaches and trainers and, and people that really value the same things we do, getting players better, um, using purposeful drills. And uh, I just want to mentor them and help, you know, kind of spread the things that I know and the things that have worked for my guys and uh, really mentor the next wave of, of trainers and skills coaches so that ultimately we can impact as many basketball players and coaches as possible. I love it. Hey, for coaches that want to follow you, if you'd be kind enough to give them their, your Twitter and Instagram and your website. Yeah. So the easiest way is, is um, I've got two things. So at Drew Hanlon, which is D-R-E-W-H-A-N-L-E-N on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. And then also Pure Sweat, which is P-U-R-E-S-W-E-A-T on both, you know, all platforms. And then the website is puresweatbasketball.com. But um, the best thing that we have going right now is for for coaches, to be honest with you, I basically wanted to give away everything I do. So, you know, MBA workouts, uncut, um, you know, coaching manuals, drill books. I see good plays. I post everything that I can do. Um, but we just created a Drew Hillen Basketball Academy that's really cool that allows me to kind of share everything. I mean, literally, we give you uncut. You know, if you want to see Jason Tatum shot breakdown from last year, the whole process is on there. And so my next step is similar to yours. And I want to help as many coaches and trainers help players as I can. And I think that as, as you told me a long time ago, and as a lot of, you know, other guys um, that have told me that the same thing, I think the most important thing with us coaches is that we all share the information. There's enough players out there that we all can help, you know, we all can win. And as long as we all kind of know that and don't have to, you know, hide, hide our secrets, which there are none, um, then we're all going to win in the long run. Drew, um, I'm I'm so excited for you, man, and I really appreciate it. And I know our coaches are just going to absolutely love this. And uh, can't wait to see you next. Uh, I'm sure it'll be by hopefully before Vegas. But uh, if not, my friend, I really appreciate you doing this. And, uh, again, for all of our coaches, please follow both Pure Sweat and my friend Drew Hanlon. Thanks, my friend, and good luck the rest of the playoffs to your class. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're Always most good talking to you. Thanks, brother. Amazing. Drew is a star, and I'm so excited he just hit the ball out of the park. And uh, the thing I love about him, and I've known him since he was in college, is he is so good. And how good he sounds, he's better in person when you watch him work with players. He's off the charts. And uh, I think if you ever get a chance, if nothing else, take advantage of the things that he offers to, you know, to give you, and you'll learn a ton. Uh, really a special, special guy. Thanks again for that, Drew. Also, remember coaching you live, the VIP experience, July 9 and 10 in Las Vegas. Uh, is going to be an incredible thing. 100 VIPs, 100 courtside seats, hearing the best coaches in the NBA uh, in basketball. Uh, to learn from. I think it's going to be one of those great, great experiences. Go to our website at coachingyoulive.com to register. I think you're really going to love it. So until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Mm-hmm.